Hello, my friends. Today, Joel is talking to Oren, builder and curator of Software Lead Weekly, and they discuss how to build a sustainable career while balancing a family life and pursuing fulfilling side projects. Oren's framework for only spending time on things he'd want to do for the next 40 years, and how to approach leading without leveraging authority. All of this right here, right now, on the Modern CTO Podcast. This is the Modern CTO Podcast. I want to uh, discuss, you know, because we're talking about family here, I know uh, you have a lot to say about building sustainable careers, but keeping your family life good and, and making sure that you both progress your career, but also have a great relationship with your, your spouse and your children. Um, can you share a little bit with me about that? Yeah. Uh, you know, to be frank, it's, it's, it, it's a real struggle. I think that we all face this notion of, um, have you heard about the term like good enough? Yeah. The good enough parent, right? Like good enough dad, good enough spouse, good enough worker, good enough, you know, friend. So I'm, I'm thinking about a lot about this framing of how can I give myself some slack framing, you know, this good enough, let me be good enough. And um, <clears throat> because, I, you know, all of my life, I really tried, I'm still trying like to do multiple things, like working on multiple side projects, um, doing multiple things at work, uh, doing multiple things at home. And it's incredibly hard to feel that you're doing everything right. So you know that you can't, it's impossible. So how can I feel that I'm doing good enough? Like, how can I feel that I'm building healthy relationships uh, with people around me and also with myself? Like, I know that I will be dissatisfied if I will want to be working on some side projects and let my creativity spark. So there is, you know, great excuse. I have a family, there is pandemic, you know, there is job, like I have a day-to-day -day work as a VP engineering and that, that, you know, kind of consumes everything. But I know that um, to feel good, I also have to somehow work on side projects and build things from scratch. Like this is part of me that that really has to to take place. So I have this framing that I've been using it for the past few years, and it really helped me. Again, I'm not sure it will be helpful for anyone out there. So don't don't take my advice. It's just things that I'm I'm thinking about. So. I'm starting to think of almost everything is on, on the term of, will it be worth doing for the next 10 years uh, or even you know 40 years? So I'll give you a few examples that are incredibly strange for most people. So I decided to start eating almost the same, well, the same food every work, work day. So Sunday to Thursday in Israel, we're working uh, Sunday to Thursdays. I'm basically eating the same food uh, uh, during, during lunchtime. So, uh, you know, healthy, good food. I have uh, like someone that I, that I found during the pandemic that tried to basically uh, earn more money because she couldn't work. She, she's, she's quite, you know, uh, a bit older and she was risking. Um, so she was preferring to see if she can find some work that is less dangerous being with people. I say like, I'm looking for someone to cook food for me. Uh, it will be, you know, it's, it's not a huge uh income but it's it's something and and for me it's extremely important that i'll have someone that i can rely on to prepare the food I, I know that i'm super busy and i won't have the time to prepare everything and like my wife said like you're crazy like why eating the same thing every day 
And I'm saying like, it's, it's, it's peace of mind. I know that I can keep it up for the next 40 years. It doesn't bother me. It doesn't mean that during the weekends or during the night or during the morning, I can't, you know, eat other things, but during work time, like in, in during lunch, I just want to know that I'm eating healthy food that I know that I'm reacting well to. And I started to look at the same about, you know, going to the gym. So, you know, I found someone, I knew that if I'll go to the gym myself, um, I will quit after a few months. Right. Um, so I knew that I need someone to basically push me like, to, like preparing food. Like I know that if I, if it will be on me to prepare the food at some point, maybe a few weeks, maybe a few months, I will stop. Now I want to do that for years, for many, many years. And the same with the gym. I knew that if I need to go by myself to the gym, I will quit after a few, you know, whatever it is. So I said, okay, I need to find a trainer because the trainer will basically kind of hold me accountable for that. That's great. So I found some, some, someone to train me. And the first question they asked, like, you know, what's the goal? Do you want to, you know, to run a marathon? Do you want to lose weight? Do you want to gain some muscle? You know, and my answer was, no, I want to come here for the next 40 years. Like, this is the plan, right? So coming uh, like three times a week or two times a week uh, for the next 40 years, that's the plan. So don't try to break me. Don't try to, you know, squeeze everything into this two months of chaos. So I'll be able to run, you know, this 10 miles or 10 kilometers, whatever it is. It, it doesn't interest me in any way. I want to feel that I'm investing in, you know, in healthy, sustainable life, but I want to come here for the next 40 years. And, and it kind of drove him insane. Like he said, well, you know what? So let's do this theme that this year we'll do this. And I said, no, no, no themes. Like I, I'm not looking to try and, you know, get to get to some goal here. This is me trying to be healthy and you are the person who will hold me accountable. So that's great. And I will hold you accountable not to break me. So it's okay to, you know, push me and to try to do things a bit different and change things. That would be great. But uh, I'm not trying to hit some goal of, you know, hitting this percentage of, I don't know, fat or muscles or whatever it is. And it was, it, it, it really made me like, so I'm going to that person for, uh, for two years now. And we're like, we have a very good solid relationship where we can talk about, you know, the type of changes that he wants to do. And, and I'm thinking of how we do that to a way that I will be enjoying that. So again, like thinking about habits, how can you change the habit that it will be fun for you? I don't like exercising that much. Like I play, I like to play, you know, uh, basketball or to play uh, football, soccer. Um, I don't like to exercise that much, but with him, that he knows that I'm going to do it for many, many years. And that's the goal. He tries to make it more playful for me. So he, again, maybe it's not the best exercise to gain again, to gain all the things that people sometimes put this goal uh, ahead of them. But he knows that I need it to be fun to the best ability that I can when exercising. And that's the type of framing that I'm looking more and more into. So it helps me with picking side projects. It helped me with picking, you know, the, uh, how I want to eat things or how I want to go into the um, exercise. It's quite radical. So some people say like, why should you pick something for 10 years or 40 years? And, and the answer is that I don't know, uh, to be honest, but that's, you know, that's how my brain operates in a way. And it really calms me down to know that, I'm doing things that I would enjoy doing for many years. And it also means that I'm, I'm going to say no to many, many things, which is, again, very, very you know, um, comforting in a way that I don't want to do things that will squeeze me for the next six months. Like it doesn't, it doesn't sound like something that I would enjoy. And so this is the framing that I'm 
I'm doing, like I'm asking, is that worth doing for 10 or 40 years? Uh, that's a very, very hard question. And if the answer is no, then for me, like I probably reduced 90% of my motivation to do that to start with. And so this is the first question. And the second question is like, <clears throat> do I have the intrinsic motivation to do it myself completely for the next 10 years? Or do I need to find like um, an accountable partner to hold me or to keep up with with this, uh, so for example, you know, finding this uh, coach to work uh, with me during the, um, the the gym, or to find a mentor that I can talk about, you know, about something with them. So that's how I look at it. Uh, I'm trying to apply it at home in in different things. So I have this again very strange thing that I'm doing. Uh, so it's called um, uh, binary versus incrementals. Um, the binary part is like zero to one. I want to try every, so every quarter I'm, I'm taking a couple of days off. I'm sitting with myself and I'm starting to say what will be an interesting binary activity to do um, in the next quarter. Binary means like it will, it will be the first time that I'm doing that. <clears throat> so like, you know, I've never done that for the first time. Let's do something. It can be very, you know, very trivial thing. It doesn't have to be like very, you know, big and uh, scary, but something that will make me practice something for the first time and the incrementals is like what I want to do better um, so if you know if I feel that I'm doing it well I want to do it better and just taking the time every quarter to take a couple of days off and um, spend this work hours instead of work at work spend it with myself and and start to think on you know how, what what do I want to do better what, what do I want to do that is that is fresh and again for me it feels like very comfortable comforting that it's one once a quarter it's one binary, it's two incrementals. Like it's not, here are 10 things that I want to do this, this month. Here are, you know, hundred things that I want to do this year. I want to be very, very easy on picking things that I can actually commit to. So just, you know, a few small frameworks that I can think of that I'm doing that are really, 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 really helpful for me um, to think on, on the longer horizon. I'm taking notes here. All right. So what I was, here's something that I got from it. You help correct me if, if my interpretation was right or not. So you have these frameworks, you look at things and you'll say, you know, will I do this for 40 years? And you decide to put it into your, your recurring events, essentially. Mm -hmm. um, you put it into your schedule, but then you have one of those things that you're doing is giving you variety on other topics quarterly so that way yeah. you can like you could like a binary could be like you, you never played guitar so you pick up guitar you just go like do a little bit of guitar and then and then you you're free from it the next quarter you can continue to do whatever you want but is that correct you have the is that how it works yeah yeah so i, I, would, I would pick very carefully the thing that i want to do for the next 10 or 40 years right so it doesn't have to be a lot of those it, it by definition needs to be very very uh, little uh, amount of those but I let myself explore more in the binary and the incrementals to play with that a bit more, uh, just to make myself more balanced. So it doesn't like, I don't want to make sure that uh, to make, to make it so, so every decision is so, 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 you know, crucial and big, like, is that a four year commitment? It's very hard to live life like that. But, you know, when you, when you're thinking of, let's say, you know, we all earn money, right? So I'm, I'm extremely grateful and lucky that, working in, in the industry where I actually love everything I do. I love the, you know, the profession, I love the challenges, the technology, the people, like I'm so lucky that people are actually paying money for that. And the question that comes to mind is, okay, so like, what do you do with money? Right. So let's say that you earn money. What do you do with it? 
So again, a very good question to ask. Like if you think about it from the, you know, what's your next goal? I want to buy an apartment. I want to buy a car. I want to buy, I don't know, whatever it is. The question that I'm looking at is like what I want to have in the next 40 years that will make me excited. And that's the interesting thing. Everything that I need to buy for the next year, like a car, a car is not a 40 years thing. So, so it's not interesting for me to even think about it at all. An apartment, maybe. Like if you if you want to say this is this is the apart like this is the dream apartment. I want to live here until I'm 70 and then maybe change it. Okay, that's interesting. Uh, but maybe it's for example, I really want to take the famous so I want to take my entire family to a vacation and pay for that, or to at least be able to do so. So to take you know the entire family to Spain uh, for a week and be able to, to pay for everyone. Doing that for you know a couple of times a year sounds for me like for the next 40 years. Uh, sounds for me amazing. And maybe that's because I had this experience as a small kid where a lot of my family are, are living in, in France, in Paris. And uh, many times they were inviting us to join them for a vacation. They basically they basically paid for everything. So as a kid, I, I, I grew up uh, going twice a year to Paris and being with the family and you know having some great, great vacation time with them where everything was kind of taken care of. And I, you know, and the way that I see it is for myself, you know, if I can give give this type of experience to my family and my wife's family to remember, and again, doing doing that for the next 40 years, not just for 2022, uh, that sounds like a you know great, great way to invest my money in terms of uh nurturing relationships, developing, you know, interesting experiences together. So, like that's for me extremely interesting to think of, okay, so what's the budget for that? Right. So how much money it will cost us? Can we do something interesting as a family together? So this is kind of, you know, the way that I want to make sure that I'm picking very few things um, in this grand scheme of 40 years career or, or how to enjoy and build life. And I want to let myself at least a qu every quarter to play with things on very you know, smaller scale and be completely fine that I'm ditching them completely. So the, the guitar is a great example. Right. So I can take a few lessons. I can play with it for a few months. And then if I want to change after after a quarter to something else, there is no part of me saying, you know what? I should have stick around and do it for longer. It's like, no, this is an experiment. That, that's that's great. Like I, I really, I really enjoy that. It was fun. I discovered things about myself that uh, I like and things that I don't like, and I can move forward. So that's that's the type of thinking that uh, that I'm doing in my head. And again, like I'm, when I'm talking with my with my wife on, you know, let's imagine 40 years that we're going to take two times a year the entire family to you know different places. And she was like, 40? Like, are you crazy? What, what's going on? <laughs> and I'm saying, no, no, like, think about it. Like, you can take them twice a year. Like she says, immediately, it's a lot of money. I'm saying, right. So let's actually calculate how much money it is just to show that it's actually not that, you know, it's, 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 it, it is a lot of money, right? But comparing it's not unachievable, it to you know, Yes, it is achievable, right? And and you know, do I want to invest in that versus investing in a car versus investing in you know something else? Like for me, the math is like, and it's very clear. So it does create this deeper conversation between me and my wife sometimes on you know how do we see ourselves uh, in the future? Very strange conversation sometimes. I, I I will admit that, but you know, once she gets across this, you know what? I'm not sure that we want to commit to this type of length. And I'm saying like, why not? We, you know, we're going to have our kids and their kids talking about it for years. You know, this family activity of us going to Spain together to some nice V-line and having fun together. Why is that not a great usage of our money? And she's like, hmm, actually that's interesting. <laughs> so anyway, I don't know, uh, a bit crazy, I know.
Yes. So, so it worked mostly because I told her like, I'm going to plan those vacations and they're going to be remarkable. So I'm going to rent an, a villa that you wouldn't even imagine that is like, I'm going to rent a castle in, in France that is remarkably cheap. It's much cheaper than any hotel in Israel. Uh, and, and we're going to have, like she said, like, a castle in France. Like, is that even possible? I'm saying, yes, like, look, just open up Airbnb. You have multiple. She's like, holy shit, that's remarkable. I'm saying, so don't worry. I will prepare those. Like, I will make the vacation remarkable. You show up and, and you know, so so you can, you can surprise and you can add this mystery back. But I don't know, this is what makes, you know, this is what makes me think uh, in, in many ways, it just makes things look a bit bigger and more interesting. Uh, or if, if they're not, uh, like my mind is like, well, you know, it's nice, but... I don't have the mental energy now to actually entertain that for, for the for for the long run. I started doing this thinking in terms of decades thing about five years ago. So I had um, you know up and down success in my personal life and my work life. At like you know, what I, success is very subjective, right? Mm-hmm. So I had up and down success, and I was trying to figure out why and why I was failing a lot. And it was because uh, simply I was giving up. Like I was giving up too early. And I would start something, I'd be on it, I'd be going for it. And then I would get you know interested in something else. And so I'd kind of drop it. And then I would see other people that didn't drop it and they had huge success. And I just kept seeing them get these big payoffs for staying with it just like longer than me. And so I got so frustrated by that. I said, okay. And I was in my 20s. I said, I'm going to do a five-year plan. It was like the biggest deal in the world to me. And so I I made a promise to myself and I I stuck with this five-year plan. And at the end of that five years, oh my goodness, it was so amazing. And so then I said, all right, well, I'm going to start like doing things for like 10 years or committing to them. That's what I, that's the word I use. I use 10 years constantly. I'm like, all right, if I'm going to go to a jujitsu match thing, if I'm going to learn to do some martial arts training, I'm just going to say that I'm going to go into this for 10 years. Cause that allows me to walk in freely, not get burnt out, not get frustrated that I'm not making progress. Cause it doesn't matter. I'm just doing this for 10 years. You know, I could be a white belt for 10 years. doesn't matter. I'm just going to go through and inevitably the experience just stacks up and yeah. you just leverage the compounding, you know, interest, the compounding nature of time. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you you know, it's, it's exactly that. And, and you find ways to enjoy that. Maybe not in the first year, maybe in the second year, maybe in the third year, but you're finding this rhythm where you're happy, you know, where you're happy. And I think that happiness, um, you know, it, it, it should be something you, uh, you should aspire to look look deeper into yourself to see what makes you happy. And I don't try to judge that. Like, why am I happy doing that? I, I just say that it is what it is. Like, I'm, I'm having fun uh, having people to do barbecue at my house. And I like, uh, you know, preparing the barbecue. I don't, know, I don't know why I like that. I usually don't like to cook. So, but there is something about the barbecue and I don't know what it is, but it is what it is. And I'm finding a lot of joy in getting friends to come and preparing, like preparing um, 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 some good barbecue for them. I wouldn't do that to prepare some other meal for them. So I wouldn't try to prepare, you know, to cook something for them. Like, so it's specifically barbecue. And I don't know why it is, but it is, again, what it is. And like, there is a tradition now that where, you know, I invite, I invite friends every, every month to my house and we do that. Like everyone, if every person brings, so I bring the meat and bring the wine and someone else brings something like, you know, fish and someone else brings uh, some salads. 
And I'm saying like, why can't we do that for, you know, for many, 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 many years to come? So I really do like this framing, the 10 years where you're saying that, like, I don't need to rush. I don't need to burn out. I don't need to feel frustrated that after two months, I'm not whatever, you know, this belt or that belt. That's fine. I have time. What was your route? What, what was like the very first time you started thinking about this type of stuff? You haven't been doing this since you were born, right? This is something that... Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. Um, but I think it started when I was quite young, not, to, not thinking about decades, but thinking in um, uh, framework. So uh, I, I remember that I was reading, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to celebrate uh, 38 uh, next week. And I've been, you know, 25 years ago when... I wanted to learn to write code uh, professionally. So I started like to get to being paid for that when I was 16. But when I was 13, I knew that this is what I want to work at. So I was asking myself like, what I need to know so people will actually pay me money to, to build software for them. And back then you had to read books, right? Like there wasn't Stack Overflow. There isn't this abundance that there is today where people actually need to improve their sorting algorithm to know because there is so much, you know, so much content, like how can you sort through? Back then it was, there are a few books, you can go and, you know, pick it, pick it up. And I was reading a lot back then, just like I am now. And the books, what it gives you, well, what, what, and, and I think that, you know, I like, I love Twitter and I love reading blog posts. So, and, you know, listening to some videos, but what books has is you can have some depth uh, in thinking. So you can pick up a topic, and you can go really, really deep in, in that topic. And that's quite fascinating. So I, I was always starting to think on which are the topics that I want to go deep at. And it changed during the years. Even management, like for me, management is not something that, you know what, I'll you know just play with it. Like it's fine that I will experience, but I want to read about it. I want to think about it. I want to talk about it. I want to ask people, uh, other people that are more experienced than me on how they think about things, like how they... Uh, make you know, difficult decisions, uh, how they come up with interesting frameworks to um, prioritize like very big and complex areas. Like oh, Some people have amazing insights and depth. And what I found out is that usually it becomes through reading a lot, whatever the medium is. And just books provide you this medium where you read with depth and not only with this breadth. Um, so the notion of decade probably started when I was around 25 or so, where I started to understand that I really like this concept of helping others in a meaningful way. That means that I'm helping you or others, not by sharing only what I'm doing, but also giving you some framework to think about the, um, the problem. And when that happened, Frameworks, you know, the problems with them is that it takes you years to understand what is the framework that you that you apply. So this is when it started to make it clear to me that I need to start thinking in years because frameworks requires years of experience and then how you can make it into something more concise. And as I grew older, things started to shift more and more. So when I decided to start working on the newsletter, it was nine years ago. And like I told my wife, I'm going to do this forever. And she said, like, you know, why? I'm saying because I'm reading anyway, and I'm already sharing some some helpful things to you know my friends who are in the industry and asking me for books and asking me for you know for for great posts. So I'm basically already doing that. What's the what's the, you know what's the difference? It's just me sending an email. That's the only difference. 
And she said, she like, she said, she's, she's saying, well, you know, that's great, but why are you thinking that you're doing, you're going to do this for so many years? And for me, it was because I'm going to do this forever. Like, this is what I like doing. There is no burden. There is no, uh, it's almost 90% or 95% happiness and, and joy. And these are when the things started to click more and more. So the framework thinking takes you from, you know, days and weeks and quarters to years because frameworks usually takes years to think of and, and, and apply. And then when you're starting to think on what I want to work on and build, um, it usually takes me at least into, is that really something I want to work on? Is that fitting into my purpose, the way that I see that for the next you know, 40 years? So the side projects that I have today, I've built a few along the years, like uh, you know the, the weekly, soft, software lead weekly, the leading snowflakes, um, down left, uh, which is a different thing. Manager readme that I know that some people really hate the readmes and some people really like, and I completely understand both sides and that's fine. Did you do the manager like, readme? Was that yours? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Manager nice. Readme, yeah. Managerreadme.com, downleft.com of things that I, uh, I've done. And for me, it all fits into this thing of, I want to help build better software organizations. I want to help managers, but not only managers, also like technical leads. And it's not because I think that I'm the best at it or even, you know, partially okay at it, at it. I'm just saying that I think that software has a lot of room to improve many, 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 many things in, 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 in our life. And if I can help people in that transition to start more great companies. So, you know, back then, like 10 years ago in Israel, at least, I don't know how it is in, in the US, maybe or in other places in the world. When you ask someone, um, you know, can you tell me about great managers that you had? It was very common to say in Israel, um, great managers. Hmm, I don't think that I had one of that uh, of those. And I was like, I was really like sad to hear that most people never experienced a great manager. And I think it's like it's really changing a lot. In and I think in the past few years, there are many many new books that are coming along, uh, and people are actually reading those and starting to think on how to be how to become better, um, you know, uh, servant to their teams and uh, help others versus thinking that this is a place for them to, you know, to, to get power uh, over others. And for me, like, that's great. Like, even if the weekly or the book had the tiniest portion of, of helping others to think about their role as managers or as technical leaders, even if it's like 10 people in the world uh, change their mind about something or learn something, the way that I see it, like that's for me a huge, huge, huge motivator. So manager read me. There are a lot of terrible things you can do with the read me. That's not my purpose. My purpose is to say, can you start and see um, uh, and articulate the way that you think about your philosophy, you know, philosophy as, as a manager? You don't have to share it with anyone. You can share it with yourself. You can share it with someone you trust. You can share it with your, you know, whatever it is. Uh, you can share it with new people. You don't have to. You can do whatever you want. But my purpose is to make sure that, or to try to get people to think on how they can build better software organizations. And a lot of it is by understanding that, that, that it, it is humans who build the software that is running in production. So that means that software are part of this, that, that, sorry, that humans are part of this equation of, of, of production systems. And if that's correct, we have to make sure that um, the human element here is, is being thought of. So for me, every side project that you know hits uh, on that mission of building better software organizations, for me, it's like it's a good side project to think of. Everything else, like you know, I have an idea. I want to improve, you know, the way that LinkedIn uh, doing, you know, sourcing over LinkedIn. 
sourcing for candidates. Well, okay, like, you know, it might help building better, better organizations, but for me, like I'm lacking this excitement of, I just don't see how it really completely changes the way that companies are being built in the future. And if that's the case, even if it's a nice idea and I have some nice, you know, thinking on how to approach it very differently, it doesn't really move the needle the way that I look at it. And like, for me, it's like, well, it's a nice idea that someone else maybe should build at some point, but that's not for me. So this is the type of like thinking that really shifted in the past 10 to 13 years. And, you know, the weekly is one of them and, um, and you know, the book, so the book came and the weekly, the, the weekly was before the book. So the, the, the weekly was there, the book was there. And then I was kind of saying like, how can I pick the future side projects that I want to, to work on, which led me to think on, you know, what, what do I want to do in the next, you know, 10, 40 years in this industry that I so love uh, and appreciate. And that's, that's the type of uh, mental framework that, that I like to, to, to use when picking ideas. So manager read me fits well into this place and uh, down left, which is kind of, um, uh, it's actually like um, a game of like, you know, most companies are talking about up and to the right, like everything is perfect, everything is solid, right? Like we're growing, we're hiring, we're raising money. So down left is to say, well, uh, we want to have this support group for people who feel alone in this journey. So as a VP engineering uh, myself, I'm feeling sometimes lonely in this role. Uh, it, it is sometimes a very lonely role. Um, like how can I build a support group uh, for VP engineers who can meet together and, and share things that are extremely personal, extremely sensitive and talking about the down left parts on, you know, the, the opposite of up into the right is like, things are not working. Things are breaking. I am breaking. My team is breaking and I need to think of, of, of an advice here. So this is how I kind of see, you know, the type of projects that I want to build in the next, uh, in the next few years. And I have a few more coming. One of them at least will be this year. But that's, that's what makes me excited uh, about uh, doing so. The VP of engineering group, is that already together? Or is that something you want to do? Yeah. No, no, it's, it's been running for the past uh, three years now, a bit more than three years, uh, four years. Um, so there were like four pods uh, that were meeting and uh, we are starting to kick off a much uh, like more scale out type of version in Israel now. So hopefully there, there will be more, more groups and more groups of not only VP engineers, but also, uh, you know, tech leads and eventually people like, you know, chief like CPOs or CTO or CEOs. Like I'm, I'm aiming for people who feel alone uh, in this journey. And uh, again, don't have any desire to scale out to millions of people. I'm completely fine. If it will, if it will change, you know, 20 companies in Israel, I will be, you know, extremely honored to say that I have, uh, you know, the tiniest, 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 tiniest portion of that uh, because of, let's say, down left was, you know, uh, something that helped them think about how they build their, their company. Um, so that's that's something that we are doing. And um, we'll see how it goes. It's, it's, it's quite fantastic. And if you, if you go to downleft.com, um, you can see that I did share like the structure. Uh, so sometimes people are kind of surprised that the structure is extremely, uh, you know, detailed. But, but, but that's, that, that's how I think about things. Like I'm starting to think about the experience. Um, have you heard about the 11 stars experience that Brian Chesky, the Airbnb's uh, CEO, have you heard about the 11 stars experience? No. So the notion, I hope that I'm not going to completely kill it, but um, the notion is like, we all know about what is a five-star hotel, right? So we can say like, we go to the hotel, uh, things are clean, you know, food is good. 
um, trivial things. The room is ready on time, things like that. So the question is like, what is the six year, what is the six stars uh, experience? So the six stars is that I'm getting to this room and it's been, uh, I've been waiting with uh, champagne in the room and there is a small card saying, hey, like you're, you're, you're in Tel Aviv, the beach is like five minutes walk. We took the liberty to set some uh, surfing uh, lesson uh, for you. So, you know, be at uh, 3 p.m. There'll be a guy there waiting for you and you're going to have the, the best time of your life uh, learning to surf, right? So that, that's something you remember, right? Uh, so the question is like, what is the seven stars experience? So the seven stars is like, um, I'm entering the lobby and there is like a band playing for me saying, hey, welcome Oren to the, you know, to the, to the hotel or to the whatever Airbnb floor. Uh, it takes me to the room. The room has, you know, and you can go crazy with, with that and the post actually covers that. But I'm saying that because it's actually quite fascinating to think about almost everything you do. It's like, what is the five style of, you know, down left or weekly or something like that? And I'm not saying that I'm, I'm good at it on, on everything, but I'm using this framework that, that Brian Chesky, uh, this is what I've seen uh, him doing. I think it's, it's <clears throat> sorry, it's quite, it's quite remarkable to see what is a six star experience of listening to a podcast. What is a seven stars experience of experience, experiencing a podcast? It's not only listening, it's maybe something bigger than, than listening to a podcast. And it, it can go like really crazy when you think about like the 10 stars experience or 11 stars experience. And the thing that, you know, Brian is trying to say is like, try to think bigger about the experience and it's okay to finish at five stars or six stars or seven stars. You don't have to go to 11, but the fact that you spend the time actually thinking completely crazy on like, you know, uh, I, I'm going to this hotel, so I'm going to have this band waiting for me in the airport, not in the hotel, right? And then they're go holding my hand and, you know, entering and taking me to some Porsche. And this Porsche takes me like, so you can go crazy with it. And I really like that because it kind of opens you up into how um, great looks like and how ridiculously, you know, great something can look like. And then you can start and say, you know, how do you want to pick that? And with down left, I do have some crazy ideas that I would like to explore. Given COVID, uh, the next, the last couple of years were extremely hard uh, personally in terms of just, you know, uh, taking care of my family and, and work and things like that. So the creative side of me on side projects was kind of hold back and I, you know, I'm, I'm okay with that. But now that I'm feeling that COVID maybe, knock on wood, and I don't know, will be better. The, you know, I already feel the creativity juice coming up with so many ideas that I want to explore. And some of them is like taking down left, which I think has quite a unique setup and experience. And how can I get much, much more crazy with that and provide an experience that people will, you know, will, will uh, remember and enjoy and recommend others. So, and I'm doing that because I think it would be fun for me. So if, if, if I wouldn't think it would be fun for me, I would completely ditch that and say, you know what, doesn't matter. But um, this is the type of thing that, you know, I hope that to, to, play, to play with more and experiment more uh, this year, hopefully once uh, COVID will get into this better place. I love it. Yeah. And then um, we have this group called Elevate 150. So we have like 150 or so. We, we found out that like the reason why these slacks like... Michael Lopslack is very amazing, right? But there's like 15,000 people in it. Yeah. And we found that when you get to this certain number, 
this the attitude in the group changes because you know, people ask the same questions, they'll almost get frustrated at them, and it just gets weird online. Yeah. So we yeah. fit we you know did some research and we're like, oh okay, there's this psychologist that says community size is reaching. Yeah. The Dunbar number. Yeah. And so 150 was one of those numbers. And so we're like, all right, let's cap it at groups of 150. And we just finished like our first group of 150. Um, so I just spent like the past like two years figuring out this whole community thing with this guy named Etienne de Bruin, who has seven CTOs. So if you ever have questions about like what we've learned with the the community stuff or whatnot, more than happy to share with you because I'm, I'm a firm believer that there is like, there is more than enough out there. There is more than enough lonely people out there. And if anything, we need more people figuring out ways how to start in their communities to bring these people together to share because uh, it literally, in in the least cheesy way possible, it literally changes people's lives when they get a new perspective of how to think about work, how to interact with their families, and things can go from like horrible brink of divorce to like best life ever, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm completely, yeah, I, I, I would definitely love to speak with you a bit more and share some uh, uh, lessons and thoughts from down left and to hear about uh uh, 150 um, um, a bit more and understand better like you know your, your, your takeaways from that and how you think about it um, so let's 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 grab some more time together next time for sure I want to wrap up here with um, this one question we didn't get to uh, how do you approach leading without using authority yeah so uh, it's an extremely difficult question to answer quickly or briefly um, I will say that there is a video that I've made about specifically about this topic. So if you Google my name, which is a very <laughs> difficult name sometimes to write, but uh, if you Google it and you look at leading without authority, you'll see a video that I gave um, covering that. What I think, you know, if I need to give the, the short version of it is to basically understand how to learn from customers or to learn from people who actually are in pain and trying to help them. Meaning, even if you have a very strong agenda and vision, one of the most difficult things to understand is people need to trust you uh, that your vision or your agenda will take the company to the right place. And I often see people who are extremely gifted and you know capable and smart, but they're not investing enough time to build the trust yet. And when they're bringing these thoughts into the table, People sometimes are not ready. So, so first is like you need to build the trust and and you know take the time to actually understand the pains, understand the business, understand what the company is actually trying to achieve, understand what of people you know what people are suffering from or what or what makes people completely excited and happy, and then see how you can take and and bring your agenda and your vision to that. So, delineating without authority, for me the way that I see it is. If you want people to listen to you, you have to earn their trust and their respect. And the way to do that is to speak their language and to make sure that th that language aligns with the business needs. If you do that, I think that this is, from my experience, 90% uh, puts you in the right place. Uh, then you need to figure out how to bring your agenda and vision in a way that is coherent, that is relevant now, that you know how to split it into milestones, you know, you, you know how to, to get the buy-in. So there are many, many things around it. But what I'm seeing people doing often or too much is 
investing too much in the 10% that is, I'm going to convince you and I'm going to explain to you and I'm going to prove you and I'm going to show you and not in the 90% is that I understand you and I can repeat the pains that you say and I can understand what the business is trying to achieve. And I know how to connect the dots between what I have in mind and what the business needs and what you need uh, in a way that you can relate and speak to you. And this is what I think that people kind of sometimes miss when they're thinking about authority is like, if someone will give me the authority, I'll be able to make an impact. And the way that I see that is that you need to practice this leadership without authority because it will teach you to be humble. It will teach you to listen. It will teach you to ask questions. It will teach you to ask better questions. It will teach you to take notes and maybe to reflect on those and maybe to share it with others. It will teach you to be a facilitator sometimes between people, you know, between business people and product people and engineering and engineering and others. So it will help you to become a better facilitator because you need to explain how others you know, perceive something in a different way. When you do all of that, and then you bring your vision and your um, agenda, then people will listen. So it will seem like you have the authority without, uh, the leadership without authority, but actually what you will have eventually is also the authority because the company will look at you and say, you know what, like this person deserves the, the title. So, but it, it shouldn't change you. Uh, so when someone you know moves into these ranks, if they want to, it doesn't have to be. But if they sh- shift between the ranks, the, it's the same process. So when you're an engineering manager and you want to convince VPs or convince the C-level that something needs to happen, how do you do that? You don't have the authority of a director or a VP, right? You, you have only as an engineering manager. It's the same journey. It's the same. It's the same. It's the same skills. Just a different magnitude or a different level of of, of um, complexity to understand and to reflect on but it's the same muscle that you need to apply. So this is how I see that. And I try to give some practical you know, ideas and, and, and suggestions for people who want to listen to the, I think it's like a 40 minutes talk. And I think there is a version in, in English. There is for sure one in Hebrew, but for sure, I think that one in English as well. So if someone wants to listen to that and see that, and there is the deck that I presented there that is available uh, online as well. But that's like for the, that's the short version, the short version that I have in mind. And I, I recommend people to, to start early and practice it on the small things because they will need to do it again and again and again and again and again as they change their roles. It doesn't, it doesn't mean that once you're becoming this authority, you're getting a, to be a staff engineer, a principal engineer, an engineering manager, a director. It doesn't mean that it ends there. It, just the level of complexity, the level of vision that you need to bring to the table changes so it's not a vision of a year it's a, it's a vision of two years or three years or five years but the muscle is the same so the, the muscle is learning to listen and 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 you know understand the voices of others not to agree with them but to be able to articulate that and figure out then how your um, vision connects the dot between how you want to see the world and what the company needs to achieve and how people wants to uh to go there um so that's that's my thinking about it Thank you so much for listening. And if you found this episode useful, please share it with a friend or a colleague who you think would get value from it. And if you have topics that you'd like to hear discussed on the podcast, either add me on LinkedIn or send me an email, joel at moderncto.io. Every time I get an email or LinkedIn message, it absolutely makes my day and inspires me to keep going.